0: This episode of Business Connection is brought to you in part by presenting sponsor, Esser Hayes Insurance Group. Serving the Naperville community by putting an expert in your corner since 1941.
1: I'm Liz Spencer and welcome to Business Connection. Introducing you to the names and faces of Naperville area entrepreneurs and business owners. Today we'll meet with Trunnell Insurance Services, We'll go on location to KLA Schools of Naperville, but stay tuned for business strategist, Jean Kuhn, all here on Business Connection. Welcome to Business Connection. I'm Liz Spencer. We have a fascinating guest in studio. It's Jean Kuhn, and she's a
2: business strategist. So welcome, Jean. Hi, thanks for having me here. So tell me a little bit about what you do. I help small business owners who are pretty much frustrated and struggling turn around their business and increase their cash flow fast, because I know that 19 out of 20 small business owners do not make enough money in their business.
1: Wow, that seems like a pretty hard job, but you have really proven it because you had a you bought a
2: bankrupt business so tell me a little bit about that. I bought two bankrupt oh. businesses right um, <laughs> because more. I wasn't smart enough to just buy one <laughs> right, right. so I in t- 2002 I uh, bought a, a bankrupt franchise that was located in LaGrange okay. and I went down there to check it out a friend of mine owned one here in Naperville and uh, I went down to check out the the store And I couldn't find it right and I'm walking up and down the street and I couldn't find it and couldn't find it and finally I stopped and I backed away and I looked at the sign and I was standing right in front of it and I didn't recognize it because it had a the front window was full of these dirty dusty flower arrangements so I thought it was a florist every time I walked past it and it actually was a chocolate store right so when I went in I knew exactly what was wrong with it. Number one, their messaging was all messed up right there It gave the impression to the clients walking by or the customers walking by that i 'm a dirty, dusty flower arrangement. No need to walk into walk in here right, right. Um, I also knew exactly how to fix it right let 's put some product. There was nothing in that store to buy. You walk in and there was the cases were empty, and the there was very little product in there to buy as well as being dirty so and then the third reason I bought it was. I knew exactly how to fix it. And they practically give away a bankrupt business. right? And I got it for a really good deal. And then two weeks later, I was crying in the back room. (laughs) I was sitting (laughs) on a milk crate crying, thinking I have just put my family's financial jeopardy or financial freedom in jeopardy by buying this business. And what was I thinking? My kids are never going to go to college. I am going to be known as the mom who ruined her entire family's lives and I was sitting on a milk crate, and I had a good 20-minute cry because there was nobody coming into that store, mm-hmm. right? So finally, after 20 minutes and feeling sorry for myself, I got up off my milk crate, and I decided I better get to work because I had a plan when I bought it. So what I needed to do is I, you know, I like to look at marketing as like a table, right? Mm-hmm. A table, how many, how many legs does a table need to stand? Three. Three is good. Four
1: Four is solid. Right. Yeah. Three will get you by, but four is
2: better. Right. Four is solid. So I had four strategies that I took right away to fix that store. And the first one was customer service, right? Um, Really, number one, there was nobody coming in the store. So not really a lot of interaction (laughs) with customers. But the customers there were not treated well. And they were treated to not only poor service, but bad product, Right. right? That product was so old. I threw most of it away when we bought it. Um, And I really figured out how I could service the client better, right? Because I'm that person who, um, I I shop with my dollars, Mm -hmm. right? If I'm not treated well someplace, that's okay. There's another one of something like you right around the corner, right? So I'm very particular where I spend my money and I know my customers. It's a high end, it was a high-end chocolate store. Right. They were going to be particular where they spent their money. Right. So let's treat them well, right? Let's say, let's say thank you. Mm-hmm. Let's, talk, let's not touch the candy with our hands, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just really do a good job of servicing the client. Um, the next thing I did was I sampled them. Right. Sure.
1: Right. Oh, who doesn't like free exactly. chocolate sample? Exactly. You'll get me in the store.
2: Exactly. So I started sampling the, the customers with all of the great products that we had. And um, they seemed to like that. The third thing I did is I really got involved in the business association in downtown LaGrange. Mm-hmm. And I started helping out and I started working with other business owners there sharing. Um, I, w- I shared their uh, summer Art project, Mm -hmm. right? So I got to know all the business owners in town. Well, when I did that, my sales that year jumped 30% with, with nothing else. I did nothing else other than start getting to know the business owners, and they got to know me, right? All of a sudden, I saw them start showing up in my store, start buying the product. So, And then the fourth thing I did is I really... You know, I really took to heart that I was crying after two weeks of buying that store, and I decided I never wanted to cry in that store again. Right? Mm -hmm. It was all, everything I did had to amuse me. Mm -hmm. So I started writing a newsletter. I started sharing um, little personal bits of information about myself and my family. My kids all work there. Um, Started sharing little bits of information, personal stuff, right, so that they could get to know us. They could start to engage with us Mm -hmm. and with me. And when my daughter graduated college, Um, I posted her in her cap and gown, right, and uh, I got a note from a woman who lived in Tennessee who had at some point visited my store and got on my email list, and she told me about her daughter who had twin babies and how she was going to nursing school. My daughter had just graduated with her um, BSRN or whatever it's called. So, It was that connection Mm -hmm. there, right, that I had felt for the entire 16 years that I owned my stores. um, It was always about connecting with the the customer and um, share information, what's going on in town and things like that. I also did really fun promotions, again, to amuse myself. (laughs) So employees would just suck the life out of me, right, some days. Mm -hmm. Some days it was just hard. Mm -hmm. And I came home one day and I was complaining to my husband about the fact that Everybody comes into this store and they say they can't work there because they would eat the profits. What if we could just get them to work for us and pay us to work there? Well, that moved into an idea that I had that I called Kids in the Kitchen Camp. Hmm. So we got customers to pay us to send their kids in to work in our, camp, or in our kitchen and in our store over the summer. Now, we were good to those kids, right? Right. They got to wait on customers, which they love, play with the cash register. um, But they also got to make product. And at the end of the day, we sent them home with a big box of goodies that they made, right? But it just made me laugh out loud every time someone wrote me a check, (laughs) right, to to have their kids come work in my store. Right,
1: well, you you called it a camp, and there you were. (laughs) Marketing. Marketing, marketing. Now that you're a strategist and you're helping others, what, what are some of the, the, the key points that you try to get you know, a struggling business owner to, to learn? I mean, they are, I'm sure there are many out there who are crying on their own milk crates.
2: I'm sure they are, right? They are, many yeah. a time. Yeah. Right? I really try to get them to understand that marketing is the most important thing that they can do in their business. And the more money they give their marketing, the more money their, their business will give them. So for me, it really was all about, how can I make this fun? Because if it was fun for me, it was going to be fun for my clients. So make it fun. And what can I do that other people are not doing? You know, we all get into these industries where, let's, I'm going to just use the example of a real estate agent. They all market the same way, right? You don't see anybody going outside the box on their marketing. They're all taught the same way. And they're all coached the same way. Very few people will go and do something different than what you've seen every other real estate agent do. I really take my clients, and we really look for something edgy, right, that they can do in their business that makes, sets them apart from their competition. It makes them look at their business differently, and how can they have fun with what they're doing and get more people in the door? And, it, and that's really... That's my secret. That's your secret. And you don't <laughs> just
1: work with retail. You work
2: with any business. Yeah. I t- attract a lot of service businesses. I have a horse farm, dog trainer, bookkeepers, and energy healers. And I've, just, I've worked with just this wide variety of service providers I love. I just love that.
1: Well, I think it's because we all need a coach. I think we underestimate um, what we that outside influence that has a little bit of experience. In your case, a lot of experience
2: that can guide us. <laughs> I agree. And that's why I have a coach, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I still work with a coach because I know that my return on investment, that I, whatever I pay her, I get back five or six times over. So its you'll never find me without a coach.
1: There you go. Well, Jean, thanks for stopping by
2: and sharing all your wonderful experience with us. We wish you a
1: lot of luck and we'll be keeping our eye on you. Thank you. And we're going to be right back with more Business Connections. Stay tuned.
2: healthcare is incredibly complex. We want to make sure that the healthcare experience for our patients is safe, seamless, and personal. Our volunteer program is a critical component of the care experience at Edward Elmhurst. Our volunteers range in age from teenagers to individuals who are in their 90s. They're such an important part of the team, visiting patients, delivering newspapers, um, helping the employees in the department, um, escorting visitors throughout the organization. I can't imagine having you know, the hospital without our volunteers. We
0: have just under 700 volunteers including 180 high school students. So we are a very vibrant program. They volunteer in just um, over 45 departments throughout the hospital. They work at the information desks. They support staff in the surgical areas and the emergency department. They greet patients when they come in the hospital. We have a group of volunteers who discharge patients when it's time for them to leave. So they are a very um, vital part of the hospital healthcare team. We look for volunteers who are friendly and flexible and outgoing and have a real passion for service and giving back. One way that they can apply is to go to our website, then they can click on volunteer and that will lead them to our application. We are constantly accepting applications for new volunteers. We enjoy getting to know all of them. Their personalities are amazing. So we, have, um, we just have a really great team here. Our volunteers play a vital role in the patient experience here at Edward. So many of our volunteers have been patients themselves in the hospital, so they have ideas and insights that they can share with us about what we can do differently to make the experience a little bit better. So often our volunteers are the first people that a patient's going to interact with, and they might be the last person they interact with as well. So our opportunities are many on how we can influence a patient's stay here at Edward.
1: Welcome to Business Connection, I'm Liz Spencer. We're on location today at KLA Schools in Plainfield where we're building values together. So tell me about KLA Schools. KLA stands for Kids' Learning Adventure
3: and we are truly inspired by the Reggio Emilia approach. We at KLA Schools believe children become what they think they are. We as parents and teachers have the absolute power to create positive self-impressions on children's minds and uh, because how we interact, how we listen, what we say to the child becomes their inner voice, especially in the formative years. We all know that 90% of the brain development happens in the first five years. That's why we take our responsibility seriously and do everything we possibly can to offer the best possible learning environment for our children and families.
1: So Erica, I, I bet part of what she just said is part of your difference. Tell me what makes you so different.
4: Well, at our school, we focus on the whole child. So children learn through um, different, like we say an a Reggio-inspired school, through the 100 languages. Um, we focus on those emotional intelligence as well. Um, but what also makes us different is we have a unique environment. We consider that the third teacher. Um, we really include our parents in the decision-making processes at our school. We see parents as that first teacher, so our teachers work, work with the parents. Um, parents are involved with different things in our school. Um, we also, are teachers, they co-learn with them. So they can do an in-depth study and investigate different topics. And we're not experts in every single topic, but what we do is with the children, we research with them, we find a lot of different resources. Sometimes families come in, people come in, different experts, and it's real life experiences. Um, and other things that make us unique is we have unique spaces. We have a piazza, we have an atelier, um, and then we have our Nature Explore Outdoor Classroom and all of those different spaces the teachers and our our whole team creates different opportunities for the children um, to learn through provocations and those provoke different questions and that is the deep investigation that the children
1: will do. I can tell you really like what you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah I guess. Tell me you you mentioned Reggio Emilio. What, mm-hmm. what is that or who is that?
4: Reggio Emilia, yes. So that is actually a city in Italy. That is kind of where our philosophy and approach. So Loris Malaguzzi, he's a philosopher. He was there in Italy, and um, this was after World War II. and the city was in distraught and he saw people trying to you know, form these schools and he was very inspired and he helped inspire people in the community. So in Reggio Emilia, um, lots of people from all over the world go and visit those schools. And other educators found out about this approach And so there was a lot of buzz about it. And then in 1991, Newsweek had regarded it as one of the best in the world. Colleges and everywhere, people study and learn about it. We have different people that come in from the community and just want to see our unique environments, want to see our documentation. And um, you know, one thing we do is we have a very strong image of the child. Children are capable and
3: able. They're born with all of these intelligence. Children are competent. Mm -hmm. and multilingual. So we believe in children's capability and Mm -hmm. ability. So, yeah.
4: So we offer them, you know, this, all these different experiences. We have unique enrichments that the children can learn through those different languages. We have martial arts, we have Spanish, we have innovative computing, robotics. So we offer all of these different enrichments so the children can learn through some of those languages. That's wonderful. So how did you get involved? Well, I met Salvi and I was really inspired by her, um, just her approach. I mean, I, I love the Reggio philosophy, but just her approach with respecting the teachers, treating us more as professionals. I've been in the field for over 20 years and I really thought twice about staying in early childhood because we're not valued as much and um, the things that um, Selby believes in for the children and for our teachers, I knew that this school was gonna be something um, that was gonna be great in the community and I wanted to be a part of it any way I could.
1: Well, Erica, this is a fascinating school, a great approach to helping every kid get the best uh, from their learning and their environment. Thanks for spending a little time out of your busy day to come visit with me, I appreciate it so much. My pleasure, thank you.
3: So tell me a little bit about how the school is unique. We believe all of our actions and um, decisions are based on our core beliefs and values. Those core beliefs and values stems from our past experiences. So here at KLA Schools, we are committed and dedicated to creating positive early life experiences
5: for our children and families. I think one way that we do that is through our Reggio Emilia-inspired approach. It's it's a little bit different than um, some of the other schools in the area, um, meaning it's 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 a more natural, homey environment. You'll notice a lot of natural colors, a lot of subtle colors. There's not a whole lot of plastic toys around. We use a lot more natural, recycled materials. So the environment facilitates learning, facilitates research, facilitates. Um, interests and um, like Selby said the core values and and really provides the opportunity for them to build upon all of those
1: tell me a little bit about the structure of the day here
5: um, so the structure of the day we are open from 6:30 to 6:30. Um, our school day is from 9 to 3:45. Um, we do offer a part-time program as well as before school and after school um, Breakfast is served at 8.30. All of the food we serve here is organic. Um, We do cater it in. Um, After breakfast, they'll start what we call assembly time. Um, Assembly time is a little bit different than your traditional circle time. Mm -hmm. Um, It is more engaging. It's more child-led. There's a lot of dialogue and conversation that happens between the students and the teachers. Um, After assembly, usually one of the teachers is setting up what we call provocations, and those are thought-provoking material. Uh, Usually the teacher has a set intention, it could be um, related to math, it could be related to literacy, it could be related to science, technology, um, or just engineering, innovation. Um, Those provocations that we set up are always very open-ended and the children are free to decide where they want to go, what they want to engage in, um, and how they want to build upon those milestones that um, they'll be reaching. You serve a wide range of ages. We do. So one of the big things is that we do believe that education begins at birth, Mm -hmm. um, not just in kindergarten. So our students here can be as young as six weeks. They go up to preschool. We do have an all-day kindergarten program, and then we offer before and after school as well, up to fifth grade. Do you offer summer camps? We do. Um, Our school is open all year round. Um, Summer camps are very exciting. We do a lot of field trips. This year's summer camp we are focusing on planet Earth. We are going to be talking about the people who we are, um, the habitats we live in, um, and uh, one big thing that we'll be tying into our core values is the way that we care, the way that we um, show respect to our planet and our environment.
1: Wow, that's super. Well, thanks for taking time out of your busy day and sharing a little bit about what you do here. It's wonderful. It's so engaging and you're helping shape the next generation. So thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. We'll be right back with more Business Connections. Stay tuned. Welcome to Business Connection. I'm Liz Spencer. I have a fascinating guest in studio with me. It's Anthony Trunnell, and he's the principal from Trunnell Insurance Services. Welcome. It's good to be back. It's good to be, have you back. Now, insurance is so interesting. We, it's something that we don't want to always face, but things we need to know. But you're here to kind of bust some myths, so I yeah. think that's awesome because you're that guy that, that we meet, and... You're the insurance agent, and we all have these questions. So I'm going to ask these questions that nobody wants to ask, but I will because you're the expert. Okay. So, Anthony, tell me a little bit about the teen driver myth.
6: Well, I call it the teen driver myth. It's, um, I get this all the time. We get it from people. Obviously, one of the main times when people are worried about their cost is when they've got that teenager rolling in, mm-hmm. and they're worried how are they going to do. Um, so we have people call up, and I get all the time. They say, my friend told me that I don't need to add my teenager to the policy They're automatically covered because insurance goes with the vehicle. And that is not true. That is not true. But I hear that a lot. I just heard it twice actually last week from two different people.
1: Right, because I would think that if I'm driving, I have to be insured for me driving no matter what car.
6: Correct, and, and it's written, actually, if you look at the policy, it's actually written into the language on there, and it says there's two things. Number one, any driver in the household has to be listed on the policy. And listed, I mean, they can be excluded or something, but their name has to be on there. Obviously, you wouldn't exclude a teenager. Uh, and secondly, any uh, person who's operating the car on a regular basis I mean you could have a family member maybe who uses mm-hmm. it sometimes and when they say regular I think they want it at least maybe once a month at least consecutively right. something like that. it's different if someone's in from out of town or so see that's where they're pulling it from They're pulling it from if your mother comes into town and she's here for a weekend and she drives your car she's covered because she's not a normal household member it's right. just kind of a one-off situation right but they've kind of turned it into this thing where um, you know teens are just covered forever and it's not true and I'll, I'll tell you a statistic actually this is from USA Today about 6 or 7 years ago actually they said that for a 16 1 out of 5 16 year olds will get in an accident the first year that they oh. get their license so it's yeah that's why they're so expensive
1: right well and and one out of 5 will and we hope it's it just a minor cuz nothing yeah. I think improves your driving more than a little accident,
6: a little reality, a
1: little reality (laughs) check. But speaking of driving in accidents, more and more uh, of us are getting into accidents because we're really a distracted driver, and we're not distracted by screaming kids or dogs. It's our phone. So talk to me a little about that.
6: Well, and that segues the teenage because they can't. They're addicted to their phones. They Mm -hmm. love their phone. Well, I guess we all love our phones. I love my phone. But um, but you know that thing buzzes, Mm -hmm. and you you've got to see what it is. Is it a text? Is it an update? Whatever it is, and um, It's kind of like a modern, I'd call it like a modern crisis like DUIs used to be back in the 50s and 60, the Mad Men days, right. you know, when it was like, oh yeah, I had a three, three martini lunch, just drive back to the office, no big deal. Um, the thing is with this, everybody, it, it's a socially acceptable now where people are like, oh yeah, I was just looking on my phone. I was just reading my phone while I was driving and we tell us not to do it, but, um, People still do it, and they do it in the morning, they do it during the day. It's not like a thing that just happens on Saturday nights or Friday nights. I mean, everybody's doing it.
1: Right, right, everybody's doing it. Both teenage drivers, which it's Particularly impactful with and and everyday drivers like me. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm guilty. Um, but so this leads me to another question that you you uh, brought up, which is the personal umbrella, which I'm fascinated by. Do I need one? Yes. Okay. Well, I'm making a note. Typically, right now. yes, you
6: do. You do. Okay. And I say, anybody in the neighborhood, if you own a house, you should have one. And no, it's weird. No one really brings these up. And, and what is it? Okay, so an umbrella policy, it's just, and it's funny when people see it, they'll be like, what's covered? Yep. And it's like, well, it's an umbrella. It's the They are in million dollar increments, you know, one, okay. two, three, four. Okay, um, And it's just, it goes on top of everything. So if you have a car, house, typical and average policy is gonna, our average household is gonna have two cars and a house. Right. Something like that's gonna cost $200 a year for a million in coverage. Some companies are a little less. Some companies are a little bit more. But it covers anything. It could be boats, motorcycles, rental properties. So it
1: adds. So say say somebody is at my house and they fall, and and, and an insurance claim is done. So my homeowners will do something, and then Correct. this will take it beyond that. Is Correct.
6: That- your liability on your house would kick in first, okay. and this would be secondary to go on top. So it's just in case. I mean, it's just one of those claims that's just. Everything lines up. All the wrong things happen at the right time, you know. I mean, it would be like you could hit, some, let's say you hit like a healthy 18-year-old girl, right, and she's fine. She's like, what if you, that same person is like an 80-year-old, you know, elderly driver? I mean, you could kill them instead of just injuring them, and that's when something like that kicks in. So, and in, when, the reason why I say Naperville is because the average income here I think is what, 90, it's just yes. under $100,000. Right, right. And and income is an asset. If you're a homeowner, that's an asset, you know, 401k's, stocks, things like that. But your income, I mean, people say, "Oh, I don't have any 401k, I, you know, I barely have any equity in my house." <laughs> right, yeah. But if if you're, you know, if you have an income, they can you can have, I think it's 25% of your income can be taken for the rest of your career until you pay off that debt, you know, if there's right. some massive judgment against you.
1: Right. And this I think I think you bring up a, a critical point that it's the umbrella but it's really for personal liability yeah. yeah right it's if somebody gets injured that becomes a whole different deal than whether or not oh, yeah. you you know wreck your own car on a tree or whatever it's when people people are injured or, or you know killed it becomes a whole lot bigger deal it's
6: yeah it's bad
1: yeah it's, it's bad, bad. <laughs> so so on that that you know yeah. what should what should i do I'm, I'm driving along and i have an accident and it's it's you know what should i do
6: you're not going to like it if I say this, yeah. but you should call the police. Even yeah. if it's a small accident, okay. it's... No matter what, I should be called. And nobody call- likes that. Nobody no, likes no, that.
1: Yeah, it's really inconvenient.
6: It's Everyone's embarrassing. honking it's, at you. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's honky. Well, yeah, and especially if it's a minor thing, you feel I feel bad yeah. bothering them.
6: Yeah. Uh, the thing is, if there's two cars involved, your insurance company and their insurance company, it's going to say you have to get a police report. So you're going to have to get one anyway. You're right. going to have to drive to the police station. And I've just seen times where, you know, people when the police are there, um, it's just nice, the evidence is sitting there, the police are there, everybody's honest. They're in a little bit of shock maybe, a little adrenalized, and you get kind of the full story of what actually happened. I've just seen so many times where people, they, um, they go home, go to bed Mm -hmm. and they're thinking about it. What's going to happen to my insurance policy? And then all of a sudden the next day, their story changes. You know what I mean? They hear something different. They're not as agreeable. And all of a sudden it becomes a contentious situation. And I've had customers that they like, they were the nice guy and they ended up getting, you know, hurt. I mean, maybe instead of getting a hundred percent of the money back, they had to split 70, 30, you know, so then they had to end up paying for somebody else. So it's just, it's, it's protection for yourself. Right. So do that. That's the big thing. And then you wanna get like a, um, a rental car if your vehicle's not drivable. And um, call your insurance company. Right I was going to say,
1: I, wanna, I think before you even get there, I'm going to call the cops, and then I'm going to call oh, you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> call well, and
6: actually call right. us too, because right. sometimes depending on what happens the accident, you may not want to call it in your insurance company right away. Right. But that's there's that's just too deep. There's there's,
1: there's too, the,
6: there's too right. much going on uh, with no, that. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Right. But right. yeah So that's yeah. Call the cops, and then this goes more to the homes, but you often hear market value versus replacement
6: value. Correct.
1: And and not know where your house falls or what that even means how you yeah. know what you got <laughs> i get that a lot
6: you know people ask us because especially here recently there's certain pockets still that that um like let's say downtown naperville that's mm-hmm. a great example right. you can buy this little house in downtown naperville mm-hmm. for four hundred thousand, four hundred fifty, 450 and it's 1200 square feet and the replacement cost on that thing is going to be what two hundred thousand, maybe mm-hmm. two hundred fifty thousand. but you bought it for 400 500 thousand because of the location that's where a difference is for the market value um, and then in other cases, there's just certain places where, I'm trying to think, areas, maybe Bolingbroke, Aurora still seen, maybe Montgomery, where you can buy a house, a really nice house for 300,000, 400,000, and then if you tried to build that thing, yeah. it's gonna cost 100,000, 150,000 more. So people will, will buy a house and they'll be like, why are you insuring this house for so much money you know, why I only paid this much. And it's like, well, the language in your policy is written where if you, this thing burns the ground, they have to rebuild it brand new, exactly the same as what it was, and it's going to cost a lot more.
1: Anthony, yeah. thanks for stopping by and and giving us all the great information and being that, that expert that we all wanted to talk yeah. to.
6: Thanks. Like I guess that was great to be here.
1: All right. So nice. We wish you a lot of success. Thank you. Stay tuned for more Business Connection next. If you're interested in a television appearance on Business Connection as a way to reach out to your community or to gain exposure for your company, contact NCTV17 at 630-355-2124. I'm Liz Spencer and thank you for watching Business Connection.